0: Um, To to this day, I cannot understand why men's nipples are okay and women's nipples are not okay. I don't get it. I just don't get it.
1: What do you think needs to be thrown in the bin of those tropes? Oh
0: my gosh, nearly all of them. (laughs) (laughs) And that women apparently can climax from a few thrusts. There's no foreplay shown,
1: there's no negotiation, there's no consent. Here on Mornings, it's another week of Let's Talk About Sex. As always, I'm joined by Tanya Coons, our resident sexologist and pleasure activist, for another installment of this brilliant segment that I love and adore. And this week, we're taking another leaf out of, you know, getting through lockdown, but this time on a different note. Sex in the City has a reboot in the works and another popular series that I'm sure you're no doubt binging here in lockdown. Um, and are as big of a fan of the show as Tanya is, Sex Education is coming back for its third season, which made us really pause and think, how much do people really learn about sex from TV, film, popular culture? It goes without saying that, you know, things like watching porn aren't accurate depictions of intimacy and pleasure for Not only different types of partners, but different bodies and different types of pleasure uh, or, or kinks and things like that. So, we're talking today about sex in TV and film. Now, Tanya, welcome.
0: Hey, Maya. Morning, morning,
1: good morning. (laughs) <laughs> Why do you think people are so interested in watching sex in TV and film?
0: Hmm, that's <laughs> that's a cracking and a huge question to lead off with. I think most of us are sexual beings and that sex is it's kind of ubiquitous. It's everywhere um and it's used for a lot of things. It's used to sell things, it's used to connect with people, it's used to tell stories, it's used to control us. It really is a part of everyday life, and most folks are curious about sex because it also has a kind of stigma and taboo about it. So it's got this, like, ooh. And I remember when we when we first met, we, you know, we were talking about sex as being something that was naughty, and I was like, sex is naughty. It's nice, and it's normal. Yeah, but there's this whole sort of narrative out there that it's a taboo thing and not a, not a, not a normal thing and not an everyday occurrence between folks. So I think that makes people very curious about it. Like, what are you doing? Are we doing it right? Are we doing it enough? Uh, what's out there? Yeah, always. I mean, and I think this has been back since the beginning of time because once people hit puberty, they get curious about sex, and I think they've they've found all the old caveman drawings where the dirty pictures are at the back of the cave where all the kids used to go and find that for educational purposes. Like it's always been around a curiosity about sex. So this is the way that we see and learn things, TV and film.
1: Now we know that in a lot of places or in a lot of formats, there's a lot of conservatism when it comes to the portrayal of intimacy on screen, so much so that uh, the popular kids TV show Degrassi, it was only in its like third reboot instalment that there was a accurate uh portrayal of one of the characters getting an abortion for example and yeah. it was so contentious that it ended up being banned and only ever really aired one time so yeah. that's that's how some people responded to that it's you know so obvious that it wouldn't be the only time or the only show that's been either censored or or clipped together really funnily (laughs) in the editing process. Do you think there is something valuable in having sex portrayed in the context of cinema or TV that one just cannot get from porn alone?
0: Oh, my God. How many abortions do you see in porn, just to begin with? Like, you don't. Porn is a very specific kind of lens you know it's adult entertainment and it's a mostly at white heterosexual cisgendered men it is not sex education although its ubiquity makes it a kind of sex education tool for a lot of people because that's the only kind of sex they can get their hands on to learn from and I think what people don't realize is that in porn there's a lot of smoke and mirrors at play to make the porn scenes look glamorous You know, I ask people, do you know what fluffers are? And they're like, no, what are fluffers I'm like, they're the people that warm up the porn actors so that their bodies are warmed up and literally swollen up and engorged and lubricated and ready to do all the wild and fantastical sexual acts that you're seeing in your five-minute porn clip, right? It doesn't just happen. So I get a lot of people come and see me actually thinking, they can just flip their girlfriend over and try anal sex for the first time. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you may have seen that in porn, but porn is not real. right? There's lots of lots and lots of examples of that. So porn might have fads of sexual fantasies and the types of um, things that people are looking at right now. And I tend to do a porn audit every six months or so just to see what's what, uh, which is quite distressing because lots of young people try and emulate porn. But when you look at other ways of seeing sex on the screen, TV and cinema, that goes a lot further towards making sex more realistic because sex is a part of everyday life, right? So I, I think it would be really great to see it portrayed as such with no shame or stigma, something that nearly everyone does. Wouldn't it be great if they showed consent and negotiation with every sexual act that was taking place?
1: You can't see, but I just rolled my eyes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: she did Uh, and then what about if there was a celebration of different sexualities and practices right tv and cinema can really they have the power to weave sex into the context of the stories of our lives and normalize it or sensationalize it as is the case so it's really up to the writers uh, and the producers of the shows as to how we are getting to see sex and then we have of course the censorship laws um to, you know to this day i cannot understand why men's nipples are okay and women's nipples are not okay for all kinds of um, tv programming screens social media i don't get it i just don't get it
1: yeah tuned in on FBI Radio. My name's Maya Billick. You and I are hanging out on mornings and I'm with Tanya Coons, our resident sexologist and pleasure activist. It's Let's Talk About Sex and we are chatting about sex on film and in TV. Tanya, do you think people learn unconsciously from the media they consume and what kind of things would people be uh, learning from in the portrayal of intimacy that they see?
0: Oh my gosh, I think we all look to screens to see what's normal. I mean, people romanticize everything so i mean i know when i was growing up i i saw in the movies when a woman says no or they're not interested in sex it's actually okay to keep asking them and pressuring her until she says yes and ironically she gets more and more beautiful the more you pursue her so you know people start off looking a bit like a librarian bookish type and then they turn into these wild feisty free-flowing women and i'm like wow that is uh, not healthy it's not showing, it's not respectful of people's boundaries. Uh, there's the, the the TV that we see and the screens that we're looking at now are showing that being horny is the only kind of desire that's um, okay, right? So uh, I spend a lot of my time explaining the difference between spontaneous desire, which is the tingling in the loins, I'm feeling really horny and I want to jump on top of you. That's what we see in the media. But we don't see the other kind of desire, which is responsive desire. And that's a lot of what goes on in long-term relationships. So we see limerence and the falling in love where there's a big flush of hormones and lots of things that are happening in our bodies because we're hardwired to find a mate. So it's easier to get to sex. There's a lot more spontaneous sex. There's a lot more adventurous sex. But once folks get into long-term relationships and they start cohabiting and the busyness of the days, uh, going to work, and maybe raising kids and buying and selling property and all the things that people do, it's a lot more difficult to do have spontaneous desire, although people still expect it. So they feel like they're not in love and they don't prioritize sex. So we don't see people looking, we don't see them investing in their intimate relationships on screen. So that would be a nice thing to see. We always see on the screens that men always feel like sex. It's very rare to show a man that doesn't feel like sex. Uh, In order to be sexy, you have to look a certain way in many, many, many uh, portrayals, TV shows, movies. And there's always an urgency around sex. Everyone's in a big hurry to rip each other's clothes off and get to penetrative activities. I don't think this represents sex in any kind of normal way.
1: On the other hand, we touched on this a little earlier. What do you think are some of the positive impacts from being able to see sex on screen, in your opinion?
0: Well, I think it normalises the everydayness of sex. You know, it used to be very sensational, like, oh, my goodness, we're getting to see people in the bedroom. But as we get more information, I mean, gosh, I can I scroll through Instagram and TikTok and all these things and it's full of sex educators giving people amazing pieces of information about sex and how bodies work and how intimacy works. And I'm still flabbergasted that not a great deal of people seem to see this information and there's a lot of educating to do. So I think it can serve as education, but I'm a little alarmed at how little the folk writing the scripts are, seem to know about what is sex and what is sexy when you're looking at popular culture. But then, if you look at shows like Sex Education and Sex in the City, and very and and there's tons actually of shows where they're bringing sex up to the the forefront. They are including some interesting narratives and and the things that people are talking about or experiencing.
1: I guess what's interesting to me is also that it's starting to take those portrayals outside of like two teenagers who are trying to figure out who is the right person for them to have sex with for the first time, Uh, portrayals of courtship that literally just lead to people hooking up and that's it. But then on the other side, like, I guess you can see with programs like reality TV, it also does show, like, the everydayness of sex and how other people uh, in different cultures, like, react with sex. I think 90 Day Fiancé is a great example where it has all these different... uh, contestants essentially come in and you can very very much see how different their like cultural responses and upbringings in regards to sex and intimacy is when you literally put two different people in a room together but you know on the other hand like you get to see also the extremes of it with a series like Jersey Shore or Geordie Shore where people are hooking up every single night (laughs) when they go out my gosh but i see the sex on that
0: i'm like really that is it is sexual activity it is not good sex you can't convince me of that i'm absolutely horrified at what some people allow to happen to their bodies in the interest of apparently sex it's it's just it really furthers terrible narratives about sex it furthers the p and v Um, notion that sex is only intercourse uh, and it doesn't show that intercourse is one of many different kinds of sexual activities Um, again it's looking at sex through the gaze of white cisgender entitled and privileged men Um, all sex is heteronormative and penetration focused right and that women apparently can climax from a few thrusts there's no foreplay shown there's no negotiation there's no consent Um, yeah I, I think that this is hopefully starting to grow old but there's still way too much of it around for my liking. Way too much.
1: And on that we'll be right back here on Let's Talk About Sex after this next track. We're gonna be chatting through some common tropes that you see on screen in the portrayal of sex and more. Don't go anywhere on FBI Radio. on <laughs> The chest. Welcome back. You're on FBI Radio. This is Let's Talk About Sex. My name's Maya Billick. I'm with Tanya Coons and we are chatting about sex on screen. What you learn from it, what's positive, what's negative. We've been chatting through some pretty common tropes that you might see on screen. But Tanya, which of those do you want to disappear? What do you think needs to be thrown in the bin of those tropes?
0: Oh, my gosh, nearly all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, get, let's get rid of the one that sex equals pe- penis in vagina, sex. That is intercourse, and it's only one of many different kinds of sexual activities. And let's stop looking at sex through the gaze of only one kind of person, a white cisgendered male. Let's look at it through all sorts of lenses, because sex is many things to many people. Uh I do think we still have a very heteronormative, penetration-focused view of sex, and we also are putting out there that women can climax from a few thrusts without any foreplay and we don't show negotiation and consent. Uh, So these are things that I would like definitely to be addressed. And when we do address them, things become a whole lot more sexy on the screen as well.
1: And like you said before, just totally normalises those things, like especially consent in particular. Um, I think there's a lot of fear and misjudgment in thinking that it needs to be this, and not to say that it shouldn't be a serious conversation, but it doesn't have to be so serious that it takes the mood out of out of it at all.
0: No, lots of people come to me and say, why do I have to talk about sex? It kills the mood. I'm like, wow, what is your mood? I'm sort of like, if you talk about it and you know what's on the table and what's off the table, all of a sudden you don't have to worry anymore. It's really clear and you've got time then to focus on all the fun bits. So your pleasure should increase exponentially. It shouldn't kill the mood at all. Unless your mood is something that's non-consensual that you're trying to foist on somebody else. In that case, maybe it will
1: kill your mood. Now, given all of that, Tanya, do you see that this, these portrayals of intimacy and these portrayals of sex, how do they impact in your line of work when you're chatting with your clients?
0: Oh, Wow all the time um, people think the sex I see in porn is real and it's not and we, we chatted earlier about you know if, if you want to try anal sex for the first time you don't just flip your girlfriend over and, and, and hammer away it's not that i spend a lot of time coaching people saying you need to have time you need to be relaxed it takes at least an hour it's a different part of the body that acts differently to a vagina there's a whole bunch of things uh what happens in the movies uh is not like real life. you know. In real life, there are pressures. Uh, people have to pay bills, they have to get up early, they have to pay the rent, they can have mm-hmm. sore bodies, they can experience pain. And what happens in the movies is usually only the romantic falling in love period shown where it's very, very easy to get to sex and have great and amazing sex. So it lets people believe that you ride off into the future and you fuck happily ever after. But that's rare. And uh, it's really rare to show people working at their intimate relationships, like prioritizing, making time for sex, making time to connect. So what I see is that people are quite naive about sex. They don't understand foreplay. They don't understand sexual issues that might come up. They don't even know what feels good for themselves or their partner. And they certainly don't know what to do when things don't go according to plan. They do. They might in other areas of their life, they might be able to go into a work meeting and everything can go west and they know how to cope. But if it happens in the bedroom, they don't know what to do. So yeah, I think we can be really putting a lot more helpful information out there.
1: Now, Tanya, I think it goes without saying that representation, especially in this area of Film, TV and popular culture even is incredibly important. You know, not seeing a cisgender heterosexual relationship happening on screen or happening in the bedroom goes without saying. There needs to be much more diverse representation of intimacy and sex in the bedroom. But I think another big thing is also being aware that in mainstream media, uh, the types of bodies that are allowed to be having sex is also maybe not discriminative isn't the right word, but it's... Not very open minded either. People who stray even just a little from that hegemonic beauty standard seem to be usually exempt from being portrayed in experiencing pleasure. Or if there is a character in a series or a film that is outside of the norm, um, say they might be a quote unquote plus sized person, then it almost always is portrayed as being really uncomfortable up until a certain point as well.
0: Yeah, or they get all the funny lines or something like that. They're just not a normal person. So, yeah, i like to, I like to, I wanted to just say, yes, we need to see all kinds of people represented in the stories that we see on screen. And we mentioned that change is happening very slowly, but it is. I am seeing other cultures portrayed and much more LGBTQIA content. But actually, you're right, it's uh, larger bodies or differently abled bodies are still not shown very often, and they very rarely get to have sexy scenes. Um, I was watching the L Word the other day, uh, the new Generation Q, and I was like, wow, really nice to see trans love stories, really nice to see one of the main characters with a disability and getting sexy love scenes. It's like, oh, hooray, this is so groundbreaking because I know that there are older versions, they didn't handle things very well when they were talking about trans folks and their lives and relationships. So it feels like they've done their research and the reboot and they're covering things a lot better. But I think we need to put out a message that all bodies are capable of experiencing pleasure. That's all genders, all ages, all sizes, all shapes, all skin colors and all different levels of ability every single body is capable of experiencing pleasure, every single one, right? So there shouldn't be any limits. And who are we to dictate that, oh, I'm sorry, unless you're skinny, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, big-busted, you can't have sex because you're not deemed sexy enough, right? To me, sex is somebody who's confident and comfortable in their own body and understands their limitations and is interested in your pleasure as well as their own. That makes a very sexy human.
1: Yeah, I think what's really important is that the different identities of certain characters, whether they might be a trans person or a person of colour, these storylines don't need to be contingent on that either. Like they don't have to have anything to do with it at all.
0: Yeah. I think that lots and lots of people want to have sex, lots and lots of people want to have relationships, lots of people don't. And lots of people want to fall in love and lots of people don't. And if we put out there a variety of stories, it doesn't matter who you are. Like that, those categories go across all kinds of people in relationships. So it's more about getting out there, all the different kinds of combinations and not putting prescribed limits or norms on things. Who gets to say what's normal? And if you listen to Foucaultian discourse, it's the people in power that tell you what's normal, what's crazy and what's in vogue at the time. And personally, I don't want them dictating my sex life.
1: That brings us to the end of Let's Talk About Sex Today. But we're going to be back in a fortnight continuing on this discussion because we've been thinking, you know, sex on screen is one thing and it really goes uh, without saying the way that those portrayals permeate into everyone's subconscious way of thinking about sex is absolutely there and present Something that's risen uh, pretty recently into popularity with within the film industry is the rise of intimacy coordinators on screen. So be sure to tune back in the next fortnight here on Let's Talk About Sex. We're going to be talking about all that. Tanya, thank you so much for coming through today as always. Uh, we're going to pop everything that you need to know on the program page at fbiradio.com slash programs. If you click on Mornings with Maya Billick, you'll be able to listen back to Let's Talk About Sex there or grab it wherever you find your podcast. Just look up FBI Radio and Let's Talk About Sex. We'll be in a little list there for you. See you later, Tanya. (laughs) Thanks,
0: Maya.